0: It's a cold February morning here in South Texas February the 4th February the month of love well this morning I wanted to share with you uh, two things one is a love poem in celebration of this month and the second is well a love story it's a short story uh, called Stella's Tea Kettle I wrote it some time back I'm not sure I wrote it as a love story but Stories tend to take on their own persona. I'll let you be the judge of that. But first, When You Are Old, by William Butler Yeats. When you are old and gray and full of sleep, nodding by the fire, take down this book and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. How many loved your moments of glad grace, And loved your beauty with love false or true? But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you, And loved the sorrows of your changing face. And bending down beside the glowing bars, Murmur a little sadly, How love fled, and paced upon the mountains overhead, And hid his face. Amid a crowd of stars. And now. Stella's Tea kettle. In the kitchen Stella was standing by the stove with her back to me. She's still wearing her old blue terry wrap robe. The one with torn pockets and two missing belt loops. Must be 15 years old. Maybe older than that. The girls bought it for her as a Mother's Day present. They were still in pigtails and blue jeans. That was a long time ago. Stella's crying, her shoulders rolling up and then down, (laughs) reminding me of the roller coaster on Coney Island, the cyclone. I wrote it every Saturday in the summer of 1967 when we were staying with Grandma in Brooklyn. Dad was in Vietnam. Mom thought it would be better to be with family in case Dad landed on the killed-in-action list. Steam hangs in the air over Stella's head like an otherworldly cloud, fogging the black glass of the microwave. The front left burner on the stovetop is glowing a a brilliant orange that could have doubled as a neon sign for help-bound sinners. The noxious smell of burnt plastic stings my nostrils. Her sobbing woke me from my Sunday morning nap. I'm not complaining. I've been napping more than that which is needed. It's a hazard of early retirement. Not the only one, but the others I'll put aside for the moment, not wanting to overburden you with my inconveniences. What happened, I asked. Now, not too many months ago, I would have first inquired as to her condition. Are you okay? Stella, are you hurt? Now you get the idea. Another hazard of early retirement. Too much time spent with my wife. Now I just told you I wouldn't burden you with my matters, yet I just did, so forgive me. But your awareness of the state of my mind is important in the telling of this story. Between her sobs and without turning around, she answers. It's broken. What? Her shoulders roll up. I can hear the clickety-clack of the cyclone reaching the highest peak before plunging over the edge and sending screaming children to an imaginary death. (laughs) Anyway, her shoulders roll up, arching her back severely. That must hurt, I think. She looks like a blue whale surfacing the ocean. You know, like the ones on the National Geographic channel. And I love that channel. Stella exhales loudly as if I've interrupted her crying fit too soon. She turns to face me. Yesterday's mascara fought a good fight, but now ugly black streaks run down her puffy morning face, looking like the legs of a Halloween spider. The look in her eyes is is frightening. She's gripping the tea kettle's red handle like it was getting ready to run away from her. Steam sputters from the spout. Too long on the burner. The mysterious odor of melted plastic solved. The morning battle has left ugly scars on the red handle. The whistle is broken. What? The whistle! The stupid whistle on my tea kettle! Her tone is accusatory. I had nothing to do with her teapot whistle neglecting the only job it has. But I can fix it. I can fix it, I tell her. Let me see it. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own whistle. No pun intended. But I can fix just about anything. For 30 years, I made a good living repairing motorcycles. You see, a bike is... Is a heap of pistons, gears, wires, copper tubing, plastic hoses, big parts, pocket-sized parts, very tiny parts. But before it becomes a machine that can carry a man or woman to places he or she dreams about or his or her death, hundreds of parts crammed into a small place small enough to fit between your legs. (laughs) I fixed or replaced every one of them at some time or another. I built them from the ground up and tore them down to the same oily concrete slab. This requires a great skill and a steady hand. If you had a motorcycle that couldn't be repaired, you brought it to me. If I couldn't fix it, it couldn't be fixed. I can fix a stupid tea kettle whistle. You can't fix everything," she shrieks, taking the white tea kettle with miniature windmill painted on them one side and a circle of colorful tulips wrapping around the tea kettle's corpulence. The kettle was a gift from her sister Ethel on Stella's uh, 40th birthday. Ethel bought it in the Netherlands. A pretentious gesture to remind Stella that her kid sister's choice to marry for money and not something as frivolous and wandering as love, for an oily-handed mechanic nonetheless, was a better choice. Hot water splashes from the spout. I witnessed the next minutes as if watching a, as if watching a slow-motion replay of a questionable touchdown on a Sunday afternoon. The water splashes on her wrist. She jerks her hand away. The kettle tips. Scalding water pours from the spout. In slow motion, looking like honey dripping from Pooh's button nose. The hot, searing water keeps coming. How much water did she require for a cup of tea? Scalding liquid bypasses her, her large bosom, ignores her plump belly, falling and falling, crash landing on the top of her bare foot, her right foot. The sun-starred pale flesh turns red. Ugly blisters rise from the scalded skin like a magic coin appearing out of nowhere. My wife screams, dropping the windmill tea kettle. The discarded pot falls from her hand, crashing onto the floor. The round white lid with the silver button handle pops off, rolling across the tile floor, spinning to an end under the shelter of the kitchen table. The water that remained inside the overheated kettle spills on the floor like a torrent river crashing through a dam. The diminutive river of scorching water spatters across her left foot. She screams again, hopping on the other foot, the other burnt foot, The pain in her face is almost comical. I didn't laugh. I swear to you, I didn't. Now, everything was moving fast. The second foot, the left one, comes down on top of the right foot. Her foot slips across the wet kitchen floor, sending her falling backwards. Her head smacks against the edge of the stove. The sound is terrible. It gets worse. She broke her hip bone. It sounded like a fat tree branch breaking away from a fatter tree. It was too much. I, I ran over to my wife and I knelt on the floor beside her. Her eyes are closed. She's breathing, but it's shallow. I kiss her forehead and, and try to wipe the dark tears from her face. Standing, I turned turned off the burner before dialing 911. The windmill tea kettle lay on its side next to my wife. The last bit of water slowly dripping from the spout like blood of a wounded warrior. As I spoke with the 911 operator, giving her my name and address, I look at the spout cap resting in the open position. Inside the cap is where you would find the kettle's whistle. The engineering is quite simple. The steam pushes a small ball bearing up out of the way, allowing the steam to escape through a small hole, triggering the iconic whistle. A metal gasket holding the whistler inside the cap was damaged, preventing the ball bearing from making way for the steam. I can fix that. The sound of sirens filled my Sunday afternoon. Stella broke her hip in two places. The doctor told me her concussion was mild. She had responded to their questions showing no signs that caused them any alarm. They let me see Stella before taking her into surgery. They had drugged her up. I don't know if she'll remember me being with her and telling her that I love her. I don't tell her that often. Never have. I'm just not built like that, you know. Well, a hospital volunteer older than Methuselah showed me to a different waiting area, closer to the surgical ward. The chairs have cushions, not like the hard plastic chairs in the emergency room. A television is mounted to the wall. The game's on, but no sounds come from the speakers. A mother and her young son are the only others in the room. The boy is playing quietly on the floor with a red fire truck. A white plastic ladder falls off the truck each time he pushes it across the floor. Doesn't seem to bother the boy. It bothered me. Don't know if it should have, but I knew I could fix it. The doctor came in before the surgery. He was from India. He had a thick accent. I couldn't understand everything he was telling me. He was a nice man. I could tell that by his smile. And he smiled a lot. Whitest teeth I've ever seen. A reassuring kind of smile. That's what Stella would have said. The surgery would take a couple of hours. I asked about her hip. Is it broken bad? I can fix that, he said, smiling before walking away. I like that. I believe you can, I told him. The time crawled along like a summer snow across sticky asphalt. The little boy fell asleep on the floor holding his fire truck. His mother was sleeping in the chair. I wondered who they were waiting for. What had happened to their loved one? Did a busted tea kettle whistle interrupt their Sunday? Yeah, probably not. On the television, a life insurance commercial was playing. A couple, a few years older than me and Stella, were holding hands as they walked on a beach with a golden sunset in the background. They were smiling. The woman stops and tosses a cracker or something to a seagull gliding over their heads. A 20-second love story about dying. (laughs) I don't think they should be allowed to show life insurance commercials in a hospital waiting room. They're a cruel reminder if you don't have life insurance, you may be getting it too late. We have insurance. Stella takes care of those important matters, sensible to a fault. I would not have been able to retire when I did if it had not been for her sensible handling of family finances, sensible and frugal. That's my Stella. That's also why she kept that stupid tea kettle all these years. It's 20 years old. That's like a hundred in human years. Have you ever seen a centurion try to whistle? It ain't a pretty sight. You know the problem with hospital waiting rooms, besides television is muted when volume control would work simply fine, and the constant odor of disinfectants. It's time. Too much time to think. As in sitting here thinking of formulations to convert tea kettle years into human years, or vice versa. That wasn't all. I counted the quarter-sized sunflowers on the wallpaper. That's right, I counted them. Twice. I was wrong both times. I know I was wrong, I reason with myself, because I can't see the flowers behind the muted television to count them. I know they're there, hiding from the census taker like babies from the pharaoh. In the room's corner, an untouched coffee maker sits on a small table, littered with spilled sugar and dry creamer. I consider cleaning the table. Instead... I concocted a debate with myself as to whose responsibility it is to clean up this mess. The person who made it? A hospital worker? A hired cleaning service that comes in after all the lights are out and the visitor's gone? At the end of this mono-debate, I determined only that it was not I who would clean the mess. Too much thinking time. I looked around the room, hoping to find something else to ponder over. Anything that would keep me from thinking about Stella. I didn't want to think about all the days that went by without me telling her I love her. She's never missed a day telling me. I love you, she said. I know I tell her. Do you love me, she asked. How many times have I told you I do? One too few. Even on her bad days, you know the ones that come every month like clockwork? She would tell me she loves me. Oh boy, now those were bad days. Bad days for her. Cramps that would double over the toughest of men caused her to only miss a step or two before continuing with her day. When she went through the change, it was the happiest she had ever been. No hot flashes or irritable moods for Stella. Getting older never bothered her Try not to think about the time I bought her a gym membership for an anniversary gift. (laughs) I know. She had put on some weight, you know, after the change. The look on her face when I handed her the gift told me everything I needed to know. I screwed up. She thought I was giving her a gym membership because I didn't like the way she looked carrying the extra pounds. You think I'm fat, she accused me, not holding back the tears that wasn't why i did it i was worried about her health you probably don't believe me she sure didn't a doctor came into the room dressed in green scrubs like on the hospital shows stella's always watching it's a lady doctor she walks over to the sleeping mother and taps her softly on the shoulder i can't hear their conversation but not that i was trying to but i could tell from The mother's reaction to the news was good. A few minutes later, a nurse came in. The mother picked up her sleeping boy from the floor and follows the nurse. Now it's only me. The muted television, sunflower wallpaper, and an empty coffee pot waiting on time to do what time does. Across the room, the white toy ladder and the boy's fire truck are lying on the floor. I walk over and pick them up. Two of the tabs that would secure the ladder to the fire truck were broken off. I can fix this, I tell the empty room. I place the red truck on a glass table. Taking out my pocket knife, I make a couple of quick cuts on the end of the ladder. I pull my Zippo ladder from the same pocket. A minute later, with a quick melt weld, I snap the ladder back onto the truck and put it on the table. Maybe they'd see it if they came back. I didn't think they'd be back. Whoever they were waiting for was doing well. No reason to return to a room where people wait to hear the words doing well or pray not to hear the words they fear. A slight whiff of melted plastic rekindles memories of the tea kettle with the broken whistler and scalding water burning flush. A 9-11 call. Sirens oh what a morning it's been over two hours I pray a little I'm not good at talking to God another another thing that Stella did for both of us I went to churches about as often as most two or three times a year Easter, Christmas well I guess that's only twice a year Stella never misses a Sunday until today she woke up not feeling well. The arthritis in her knees flared up during the night and her belly was hurting, probably from taking her arthritis medicine on an empty stomach. She was making a cup of rose hip tea when the tea a whistle and neglected to alert her of the water being ready, which led her to being scalded by water too hot for tea which led to her falling and breaking her hip in two places, which led to a trip in the back of an ambulance before being wheeled into a room with bright lights and sharp instruments and a surgeon with too white of a smile. I reckon God already knows all that, but I told it to him anyway. I glanced at my watch. It was a gift from Stella the same year I gave her the gym membership. She had her wedding date engraved on the back of the watch. Below the date, a timeless reminder. It didn't make sense. Timeless, scribed on a timepiece. But I didn't tell her that. We were young, in love, full of hope and broke as broke can be. Stella found a wedding dress at the thrift store. But needle and thread, she turned it into the one she had dreamed of since childhood. She was so beautiful walking down the aisle. I was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Spend three hours, more, not, not by much, but more than two hours, the smiling doctor had declared, "I need to go to the bathroom. But what if I miss the doctor? Will he wait for me? What if he doesn't? What if I come back to an empty room not knowing that he had come? I'd sit here counting wallflowers waiting for good news. He walked in just as I was about to surrender to the call of nature. I could tell by his walk something was wrong. He sat in the chair across from me. He wasn't smiling. A nurse wearing scrubs also was smiling politely. She sat next to the doctor. She's young, so young. She looks like that actress whose daddy's a country western singer. I am sorry, he told me. Your wife passed away. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything. There was no breath in my lungs. I looked at the doctor and then at the nurse. She had stopped smiling. An aortic rupture. The doctor was explaining to me how it happened. I couldn't understand them. The nurse was there with him to help and to clarify. Stella had an abdominal aortic aneurysm. That's why her stomach had been hurting. It wasn't the arthritis medicine. The aneurysm could have been there for years, undetected. The aortic rupture happened as they were closing her after the hip surgery. It is exceedingly rare, he tells me. I look at the nurse and she nods in agreement. I am sorry, he tells me again. The nurse touches my hand. Can I call someone for you? I shake my head, no. No, thank you. Some time passed before I left the hospital. So much paperwork. Decisions needed to be made type of decision Stella was good at making at. Not me. But she's not here. I drove around until dusk. I didn't want to go back to the house. But I have a hard time seeing at night. The headlamps from my other cars are blinding. I should see an eye doctor, I guess. Not anytime soon. And I forgot about going to the bathroom before I left the hospital, so I turned the car towards home. I called the girls. They'd fly home tonight. I told them not to. I said, wait till tomorrow. It'll be better. They need time to make their own arrangements. Unreasonable haste is the direct road to error. One of Stone's favorites quotes. I fell asleep in the living room, sitting in my favorite chair. When I awoke, it was still dark outside. A small folding table was placed beside my chair. I don't remember putting it there. On the small table is an almost empty coffee cup. The coffee smells a lot like bourbon. (laughs) Next to the cup is a small screwdriver and a pair of needle-nose pliers. Stella's teapot with windmills and tulips is next to the tools. My reading glasses are on the floor. I drop them, chasing after the little ball from the whistle. I pick them up and place them on my nose. It's 4.20 a.m. Carrying the cup and the kettle into the kitchen, I flip on the light with my elbow. I fill the kettle with water and put it on the burner. I don't want coffee or rosehip tea. Maybe I just want to hear that whistle. I told you early on that it was important you understand my state of mind. Why I said or thought the things I did at a time when my wife needed me the most. 4.20 a.m. is a good time for confession. To confess to you what you don't say when the sun comes up. And lights come on, and you can see your mirror, your face in the mirror. I never stopped loving Stella. It's the kind of love you have for the familiar, for the comfortable parts of life. Not the kind of love I had for her when she wore a white mended wedding dress and looked up at me like I was the best thing that ever happened to her. The type of love you feel when your heart beats against hers and you fall asleep with your lips against her neck. The love you feel when you wake up next to her and all you can think about is coming, coming, the coming night when, when you'll lay next to her again. I had lost that love somewhere along the way. they had taken all the tubes and wires off of her. A white sheet pulled up to her shoulders. I could see the small scar under her chin. Once she got chasing a new puppy out of the house after it had done its business on her sofa, she tripped over the dog's water bowl, hitting her chin on the washing machine. Ah, that little puppy. I can't remember what we called it, but it came right over to her and started licking her face. She was laughing and crying and hugging that puppy. Shiloh, that's what it was. We called him Shiloh dead stella looks like sleeping stella i kiss her neck and leave the hospital with the sunflower wallpaper and soundless tvs i should have told her i love her the tea kettle whistles i let it whistle and whistle and whistle the water will eventually boil down like love sometimes does then the whistling stops How many times did you call Stella? I asked the tea kettle. One too few, I answer. I turn off the burner before the water is gone. Somewhere inside me is a love that I lost. Rolling around like the little ball in a tea kettle whistle. I can fix this, Stella. I can fix it.